Psalm 40 and the second verse. If we want to give it a title, three words. Up, out, established. And to begin with, we are faced with David who finds himself in a situation where he is feeling hopeless and helpless. From time to time, on our television screens or in our newspapers, you will hear of stories about people who have been rescued from underground, sometimes from very deep underground. Someone who maybe has fallen down an old well or a mine shaft. Sometimes it will be about a dog or a cat that got stuck in a drain. A potholer who's got deep into trouble underground. Those miners back in 2010 in Chile, do you remember? Trapped more than 2,000 feet below ground when one of the access tunnels collapsed. Or do you remember the main story last summer? That teenage football team who got trapped in the flooded caves in Thailand. The thought of being trapped in such conditions sends a real chill down the spines of most people. To be so alone, so isolated, so confined and with no obvious means of survival. And the reality is that you don't need to be in such a place physically, yet you can still feel as if you are in a horrible pit. Some of you have been there. Maybe there's some here this evening and that's how you feel right now. You feel as if you've sunk so low, you could sink no further. Become so lost, you're beyond the reach of anyone. And you can be in the middle of a crowd of people as you feel that way. There are many things in life that can put a person there. For David, in the early part of his life, it was the persecution of King Saul who was hunting him down to kill him. David had become an outlaw in the wilderness, often hiding in caves. Today, well, maybe it's those who are being bullied on social media. That seems to be a, a common topic, doesn't it? It's frequently in the news headlines. Sometimes it leads to complete tragedy as teenagers take their own lives. Such was the depth of despair that they felt. A horrible, horrible pit. It's a real thing, isn't it? Later on, for David... He found himself in another pit, but this actually was a pit of his own making because of his own sin. That can also be our experience sometimes. It was a sin he could have avoided, but he jumped right in. 
and went straight down. David also knew another kind of pit in his life, and that was the pit of bereavement as he lost loved ones. That can be a real pit, can't it? You can feel like you've sunk to the depths and there's no getting out. There are all kinds of reasons why people may end up there. Circumstances beyond their control. And also, situations where they've no one to blame but themselves. Every extreme, all points in between. People can find themselves feeling like they're in this horrible deep pit and there's no escape, no way out. Whatever their circumstances are, the place they arrive at feels the same. Isolated despair. Trapped. Confined. Even almost gasping to breathe. A place where you look up and all you can see is actually how far down you are. That's all you see. And you're convinced that you're beyond help. Beyond rescue. David was in that same place once. But he got out. The message of the Bible is that there is a way out. It's God's way out. It's not your own way out. But there is a way out. There's hope to replace despair. If you've ever been up the coast to Morecambe Bay, you'll know that all down the coast there are warning signs everywhere telling you not to wander out onto the sands at low tide. There are areas of deadly mud and quicksand and if you're not careful, you can find yourself in a very different kind of place and a very different kind of situation. It's often that you just get your legs stuck, sometimes not even above your knees, but you just cannot move. The mud is so thick, as you try to lift your feet, you create a vacuum underneath your foot. And if you're a physicist, you'll actually know how strong a vacuum can be. It doesn't matter how strong you are, you simply cannot pull your leg out of the mud. You may only be yards from the shoreline. You can actually see where you need to be. You can see where you want to go. And you can see the path you need to take. But you just can't get there. Or perhaps you're not completely stuck. But the mud is so thick that just to take a single step requires every ounce of energy that you can muster. And you look up to see how far you still have to go. And you know that soon the tide will turn. And you just don't know if you're going to make it. Because the mud is so thick, so strong. 
I'm making some progress. I can see where the mud stops. But it's so slow, so exhausting, so demoralizing. And I'm just ready to give up and give in to the inevitable. Life in this sinful world can feel like that for so many people. So helpless, so hopeless. What's the point? It's, these, it's this feeling of being stuck in a horrible pit. It's this feeling of being mired in a cloying clay that has led to those who campaign for assisted suicide because they cannot see any other option. They cannot recognize any other escape or way out. But that's no escape at all, is it? That's allowing the pit and the mud to claim the victory. And because this is a world of sin, where people have shut God out of their lives, the pit and the mud do nevertheless claim the victory again and again and again. But they needn't. Because God has an answer. The Bible has an answer. For you. There is a way of escape. David was able to testify. That place that you're in right now. That place that you've experienced. I was there. But God brought me up. God brought me out. God delivered me. How? How did he? Two things. And I want to mention these two things briefly, first of all, and then just take a little, a little more time expanding all three of these points a little further. How did God rescue David? Well, number one, God set David's feet upon a rock. He brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay. Why? What did he do? He set my feet upon a rock. The image is of having been elevated to a safe place back out in the open air. Here is David now standing on solid open ground. He's been lifted out of the pit. Like the image of those... Chilean miners coming up out of the ground one by one in that metal capsule that they made. Down, deep into the ground it came and then up it came and a miner stands out and he's there in the open fresh air. He's been set free from the cloying mud. If you get stuck on Morecambe Sands, you'll dial 999, you'll ask for the Coast Guard. The RNLI will turn up. And it's one of the few places in the country where they use a hovercraft. Because it's safe on the mud. And it's safe in the quicksand. And what will they do? How will they get you out? Any ideas? Trying to dig you out. 
they'll be as, as exhausted as you are in no time. And as, much, as quick as they move the mud, it all just keeps coming back again. But if you're interested, what they do, they get a big long pole full of holes and they push it right down alongside your legs. And then they pump water into it at high pressure and it liquefies all the mud and makes it all soft and they can lift you out of the mud. And they'll take you back to the shore and they'll place your feet on firm ground. Here's a place where there are no more pits and here's a place where there is no mud. God can lift you from that place and put your feet upon a rock. We'll think about that a bit more in a moment. And then the second thing that God does, says David, is he establishes my steps. He doesn't just put you on the rock. He establishes David's steps. David is kept from returning to the pit. David is kept from straying back into the mud. So many people today spend their whole lives in a cycle of ups and downs, utter despair, then a period of respite, and then in no time at all back to utter despair, and on and on and round and round they go. Because they found something that can lift them temporarily, but it doesn't change them, and it doesn't change their life. And in no time at all, they find themselves back where they started. Because being lifted up out of the situation is one thing, but it's not the whole thing, and it's not the, the complete thing. God doesn't just do that with David. He then establishes his steps. He changes David's life. God will keep David on the rock David will continue to walk on the rock. Well, let's think about these three things a little bit more. Let's just expand on them a little bit. Because this is really practical stuff here. This is where people are at. Even if you're a Christian, you can find yourself in this situation. Something just comes out of the blue. And all of a sudden, for a moment, for a time, it feels like you're in this pit. It feels like you're in the clay. Now, the Bible makes it clear that all of our troubles in this world are the result of our sinfulness. The horrible situations that we can find ourselves having to go through, the emotional turmoil that we can experience as we endure them, all of these things are the outcome of living in a fallen world. It wasn't like this for Adam and Eve when God first created them. It's not like this in heaven. It's because we live in a fallen world. A world that has and is rejects God. A world that's going its own way, in its own supposed wisdom. A world that's full of pride and selfishness and wickedness of every sort. A world where our bodies age and fail. All around us is decay. Moral, physical, emotional, it's all decay. 
And we're all caught up in this unholy mess. What an unholy mess this world is. What an unholy mess our nation is today. Is it not an unholy mess? No wonder people find themselves like this. Now, your troubles are not necessarily the result of particular sins that you've committed. We thought about that not long ago. Sometimes it will be true to say that you're not to blame at all for the particular circumstances that you find yourselves in. They're the direct consequence of what someone else did. But the fact that people so often react to that with such deep bitterness and regret and remorse and anger, that emotional pit they put themselves in they do you know you, you'll have heard people being interviewed after a court case and, and you'll sometimes hear people stand and some horrendous thing has been done to a loved one and their family members who are suffering so much will speak with calmness, with grace. Even speak of forgiveness towards those who've done this horrendous crime against their family. And then there'll be others, and these are by far in the majority, and they're seething with rage, they're seething with anger. There's no way they could ever contemplate forgiveness for that which has been done against them. And because of their sinful nature, they, they put themselves into this pit of anger and bitterness and rage and malice. Because their own sinfulness has cut them off from God. Their own sinfulness has cut them off from the healing balm for the soul that only God can give them. The answer to this problem lies in that which God alone can do. To lift you out of your helplessness and your hopelessness and to plant you firm upon the rock, the unmoving rock of God's grace that will never change, the unmoving rock of God's truth which endures for all eternity and the unchanging will and purposes of God which will stand forever. When God places you there, things begin to change. Many of you will have heard of uh, the American Christian lady, Johnny Erickson Tarda. As a teenager, back in 1967, she broke her neck in a swimming accident. She became a quadriplegic and she spent the rest of her life, that's more than 50 years now, in a wheelchair. Unsurprisingly, in those first few years, before she was truly converted, she felt like she was in a horrible pit. She felt like she was in the miry clay, overwhelmed with feelings of anger and of despair. Well, who wouldn't be? 17-year-old girl? Who wouldn't be? But God in his grace, lifted her up and established her steps.
Did he lift her out of her wheelchair? No. She's still in it. But he has lifted her out of her despair. He's lifted her out of her hopelessness. She's as paralyzed today as she's always been. In recent years, she's even needed treatment for cancer on top of all of her other struggles. But talk to her, listen to her testify. And in her soul and in her spirit, it's abundantly obvious. She is no longer in the pit. And this has been the source of her subsequent gospel ministry that God has given her. God has lifted me and he's established my steps. She has a peace and a comfort that's not dependent upon her circumstances. God has lifted her above her circumstances and done something remarkable. She has hope and faith in a God who's marked out all of her days. The despair, the bitterness, the anger, it's all long gone. How can this be? What is it that God has actually done in her life and in the lives of so many others whose circumstances might not be quite so extreme in our eyes, but nevertheless, for them, the pit and the clay were just as real, just as strong, just as despairing. What is it God has done? Each of us in our sin are in a situation from which we cannot save ourselves. We're trapped in our sin and in our pride with selfish hearts which refuse the rule of God and which transgress his ways as lawbreakers. We're spiritual rebels, we're spiritual renegades. The Bible speaks of us as being dead to God spiritually and under his condemnation and under his judgment. We make wrong and unwise decisions. Wickedness can run riot in our hearts and our minds. We really are in a horrible pit. Some of these pits in Old Testament times, they were actually man-made. And they were prisons. And they would dig out a cell underground. The only way in and out was a hole in the ground. And down you went and there you stayed. In a filthy, stinking hole in the ground. That's you and me and our sin before God. It's not just emotionally that we know and suffer these horrible pits and this miry clay. These things are all because that's where we are spiritually, with no way of escape. Not on our own anyway. But here's the amazing good news of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the eternal God, come into the world to save and rescue us from this helpless and hopeless state. And how has he done that? What is the basis for this rescue that God can give us? Well, it's because the Lord Jesus Christ has taken our place in the pit. It's because the Lord Jesus Christ has put his feet in the mud where our footprints are. It's a place of peril. It's a place of death. 
None can survive it if they're not rescued. But Christ has willingly put himself there on behalf of sinners in their place. He's borne the consequences of our sin for us. He's taken the penalty for our sin for us. He's gone into the pit in the place of sinners on behalf of sinners. And having gone there was then raised victorious from it and overcame it. Christ defeated sin and he was raised from the pit. He was brought out of the clay and stands in victory over it all. And God rescues sinners by placing them in Christ. Sinners are made alive and renewed and they have their feet placed upon the rock which is Christ himself. Do you know that for yourself? To find yourself in Christ, to find your life now in him who is the rock of your salvation, who will never ever fail you, where you're secure and safe for all eternity. All that Christ has secured and accomplished is given to the sinner and he becomes their place of refuge and strength. Is that your testimony and your experience? And such is God's work that our physical circumstances may not change at all. Not at all. But using the language of the Apostle Paul, we've been renewed in the inner man or woman. Everything about the Christian's nature, character, attitude, emotional life, it's all been changed because you're in Christ and you've been placed in him who is the rock. There is the certainty of sins forgiven and of life everlasting when this life is over. There's an understanding and an acceptance that this life is not all that there is and that my life is not my own, belongs to him. And all things are of God and are for his glory and are to, are to fulfill his purposes. And God not only lifts us and places us in Christ, as glorious as that is, but that's not the whole of the gospel, is it? God establishes your steps. He makes you to be a follower of Christ. He makes you to be his obedient child. The Christian walks differently in the world now. The mind is renewed. The heart is made new. If you're a Christian you begin to think the kind of thoughts that Christ thinks. Isn't that remarkable? You begin to love the things that God loves. You have a desire to do the things that you know will please your God and Saviour. The Christian now is instructed and guided by God's word. And you walk according to his truth. And his promises, no longer 
Are you proud and haughty and wise in your own opinions? You humbly bow before the word of God. And by the work of God's spirit, the word of God is changing you. You hide it in your soul that you might not sin against him. You've been completely changed and transformed. And God is establishing your steps now. So that now you may walk the way you ought to walk and live the kind of life that God wants you to live. You walk by faith, safe in the knowledge that all is in God's hands and that all of your experiences and circumstances are of him and to him and through him for his glory. And that changes everything. And the pit is no more. And you're free from the clay. Because you've been established in newness of life in the Lord Jesus Christ. With all the hope and joy and wonder and assurance and faith that that brings. You're a changed man or woman. No matter what God may bring along your path. God has lifted you up, he's brought you out, and he's established you in Christ. Has he? Will you not turn to him this evening if you never have before? And allow him to bring the healing for your soul that you so need, that you won't find anywhere else? Uh, some of you or of a certain age, that when I say the following name, a little smile will break out upon your face. George Beverly Shea. One or two. Who? Many years ago, at the height of Billy Graham's evangelistic ministry, George Beverly Shea was his soloist. He had the most wonderful rich baritone voice and he would sing as part of the meetings that they held and uh, he would sing Christian hymns and great songs Uh, one of the songs that he frequently sang I won't even begin to try and impersonate him you'll be very glad to know one of the songs that he sang went like this in times like these you need a saviour. In times like these, you need an anchor. Be very sure, be very sure, your anchor holds and grips the solid rock. In times like these, you need the Bible. In times like these, oh, be not idle, Be very sure, be very sure your anchor holds and grips the solid rock. In times like these, he would sing, I have a saviour. In times like these, I have an anchor. I'm very sure, I'm very sure my anchor holds and grips the solid rock. 
This rock is Jesus. Yes, he's the one. This rock is Jesus, the only one. Be very sure. Be very sure your anchor holds and grips the solid rock.